Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I'm your host. Today is July 23rd, 2013. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the show. Today I have on, my guest is Ashley Phillips. Ashley comes to us from San Diego, California. She's been on before. She is a smart recovery trained leader. That's right. Smart Recovery has trained facilitators. And that's uh, pretty nice. And she is also the, rec- the current Recovery Coach International. Uh, you are the, the CEO and lead coach at your coaching and consulting firm, AEP and Associates. And she specializes in courageous, compassionate, and effective executive life and recovery coaching. And I am going to bring her on. She works. Let me get her on right now. And there's a lot of people in the queue, so let's see who's here. Hi, this is Monica. Is this Ashley? Monica, it's so nice to be here. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. I feel like I'm on a radio show with a celebrity. Ah. <laughs> just, just saw you on Katie Couric last week. That was pretty darn exciting. I uh, should be interviewing you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was pretty exciting, and I was happy that ABC and Katie had the uh, courage to do it and that I got to promote the other options that are out there. That was really terrific. As a SMART facilitator, I um, especially appreciated your mention of SMART and that they kept that in. And um, as a recovery coach, there's the fact that you mentioned that one-size-fits-all approaches to recovery and addiction um, simply, you know, don't reflect the complexity of the different individual challenges that people bring with them to Mm -hmm. alcohol or drug dependence is incredible. So that was great. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I re- I recommended you as someone to be on there. It didn't happen, but I do think that perhaps there could be a community of people that could get on Huff Live. I know that they've had you know Tom on, but to maybe put some women's faces to smart because one of the things, Ashley, and I'd like to talk about this with people, um, is that this is something you know they were looking for somebody at first who had been preyed on very young and. 
I was that, but they wanted someone who was more current, and then they wanted somebody who didn't get help through AA, and I, you know, reached out to Tom, and, you know, he suggested you, and then they were like, well, they wanted something else, but can you talk about your, uh, you know, your realizing that you had a problem? Do you mind talking about this in a personal way? No, not at all. Yeah, a little Not bit. At all. Yeah, what what kind of happened? How how bad did it get for you in a general way? And then how you found smart and how well, it changed I, for you. You know, it's interesting. Well, I I um it's sometimes difficult to look back and think, "Oh, exactly what happened." And I right. can look at really difficult moments and I can also look at progression of dependence on alcohol over time. But maybe what I'll do is just paint a little bit of a picture. I um I <clears throat> married very very young. I dated the fir- I I married the guy really the first guy that I seriously dated, and we moved out here to California when I before I was 21. Wow. And mm-hmm. um, we both went to I went to undergraduate school and he went to graduate school, mm-hmm. and we both were really career oriented. <clears throat> um, I started I was very interested in uh, public health and I worked in community clinics. I went to graduate school. I started teaching really young, mm-hmm. and I started really building a career, especially yeah. in the women's health community. And oh, so wow. that's an interesting theme throughout my life. So here I was right. teaching women's health at mm-hmm. a local university mm-hmm. and um, doing a lot of speaking. I was the chair of the Commission on the Status of Women for the city of San Diego. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I was starting to develop my own dependence on alcohol over time. Mm-hmm. And at first it really, you know, was was sort of just minimal, the kind of thing where what really what um, Gabrielle Glazer talks about in her book, Her Best Kept Secret, right? I just yeah. started, as she puts it, I think, in her experience, she's just started looking forward to that end-of-the-day glass of wine mm-hmm. a little bit more seriously than she ever had before. And mm-hmm. she had the um, awareness to realize it and then to actually take action. What right. I found... You know, in retrospect, when I look at it, I realize that that was happening, and it would and it would go in and out. So I I didn't have a problem all the time. I I was relying on alcohol under work and relationship stress. Uh huh. And then um, I what had, age were you then when you? I was in. I would say that this first sort of first showed up in my thirties. Uh huh. And then. Um, and then really went on the back burner, really wasn't much of a problem. But then mm-hmm. I had my daughter when I was um, 38. I got pregnant at 37. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with her dad um, went through a real period of struggle. And mm-hmm. that was something that was really unexpected for me and right. very stressful. And at the same time, I was teaching full-time, and I was also a nonprofit CEO, and I was oh, wow. the chair of the Commission on the Status of Women. Oh and I was God. president of the Parent Teacher Association at my daughter's school, and I was the Girl Scout leader. So, wow, you were like very much like Gabrielle talked on Katie, sort of really I, like I a know. lot of stuff. I, I just uh, and I was trying mm-hmm. to manage all of those things, and when I look back, I think, sheesh, what was I thinking? And if I were coaching myself, you know, now I do coaching as a professional career. You know, I I can I can have a wonderful conversation where I help myself make some better decisions. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I really felt like I had to keep all of those balls in the air, and I felt considerable pressure to do so, and I felt like I had to maintain, you know, this sort of successful image of myself and <clears throat> and figure out how to do it all. Even as I was teaching young women that they didn't have to do it all, mm-hmm. I was actually still trying to do that. 
So yeah. <clears throat> I I just you know it started getting worse, and you know I don't like you know I don't like it's not particularly helpful I think to quantify, but yeah. I was drinking more than a bottle of wine a night consistently, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's a, when I, I guess a lot. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, more than Sorry. that consistently. And um, I definitely had some personal and professional um, and health-related consequences. <clears throat> I was referred to um, a 12-step program to AA. And here in San Diego, we have lovely 12-step meetings, especially we have a lot of women's meetings. And mm-hmm. the community there is really terrific. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I experienced personally was people, you know, if I would ask a question, you know, or or say help me understand what that looks like um, in terms of suggestions that people were making in terms of recovery, Mm -hmm. people would tell me that really I should not ask questions and I should just follow direction. Wow. Now, Monica, I am a master's level medical sociologist with training in women's health Wow. And I almost have a PhD. I'm all but dissertation on my um, on my dissertation in women's health. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have spent my life teaching people to do is to figure out how they actually can get information and how they can embrace their power, especially mm-hmm. in situations where that has been historically denied. So right. for me, that answer just wasn't cutting it. Right. You know, that was my own personal experience. And while I found a lot of the people extremely supportive and really invested in my doing well, the program itself just wasn't designed for someone like me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't designed to really accommodate critical thinking and challenges to this. <laughs> that's right. So I, um, and I know that that's, you know, there are lots of places, there are lots of pockets where that's embraced in, in a 12-step tradition, but generally in my experience that wasn't the case. Right. So I, um, I mean, I was fairly naive. I thought, um, I thought that if the 12-step group I went to did the Lord's Prayer one week, which sort of surprised me, I thought that the next week they would do a, a Jewish prayer and that yeah. the following week that they would do a Muslim prayer or they would do mm-hmm. a secular mm-hmm. kind of um, mm-hmm. uh, saying. But that was not the case. And yet I was consistently being told that it was not a religious program. And those two things just, you know, they flew in the face of my experience of the facts of the situation. So I started looking for other resources um, because I also knew that the research on recovery suggests that when you have support outside of yourself, Mm-hmm. that you tend to be more successful, and that support can take a lot of different, um, can come from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. And um, I found SMART. I, I think I Googled non-12-step recovery, right. and I signed on, I signed up, I started participating online. We had actually a very vibrant SMART community here in San Diego, but <clears throat> like a lot of people in 12-step programs, I think I felt a little bit reluctant to participate in the face-to-face meetings because I was a fairly well-known person here in my community. Mm. And I had done a lot of media. I had, you know, I had done television. I had had a couple of pieces published in the Los Angeles Times. Oh, I had wow. done a lot of radio. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so I think there was some level of um, safety for me in, in finding the online Smart Recovery community, which mm-hmm, people can mm-hmm. find at smartrecovery.org. 
I, li- I know. And I like the chat, the twenty four seven chat. I go there. Oh, like, it's so terrific. Often at night, you know, I'll just for a half an hour just go in the chat room, and sometimes you connect with people, and sometimes they don't. But I like it. I think it's a nice platform too. It's well done. Can I ask you? So, how many years ago? Because I just want to get the time frame of when, with what's going on in AA now, and when when I left. So, what time frame did you go and then say this is not working for me? And sounds I want to say that it was about ten years ago. Oh, okay. About. Yeah, about seven to ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, I really did keep dipping my toe into that 12-step world. Um, I kept trying it on. Um, my experience was that the first thing I wanted to do after leaving a general 12-step meeting, not so much a, a women's meeting perhaps, but a general 12-step meeting, was the I, I would leave that meeting thinking about drinking. Mm-hmm. And that was not helpful to me. No, um, no. When I got to SMART, I really found sort of next step, practical kinds of tools. And I also, once I found SMART, I was able to give myself permission to stop counting sober days. Mm-hmm. And counting days really helps a lot of people. But counting days doesn't help everyone. And I right. was one of the people that that didn't help. Because yeah. I would get to 90 days and I would think, oh, I've been doing great. I'm I'm just feeling so much better. I think I'll mm-hmm. have a cocktail. <laughs> and that was, you know, no one had no one had introduced me to the idea that you could learn alternative ways of celebrating without alcohol, in addition to learning different ways of coping with stresses and negative situations. So now, as a trained master smart facilitator, I talk about all of the different times, all of the different places, all of the different cues that we get to use drugs or alcohol to temper situations, positive and negative, mm-hmm. and how to make healthy choices for you that are consistent with your identified goals and values. And that's okay. a really, really helpful thing to do. I want to just do a little commercial uh, and just tell everybody who's just, we have a lot of people actually in the queue. I don't know if they want to oh, talk terrific. or they want to ask. There, there are there's nobody in the chat, but I forgot to, put, I was so engrossed in, getting online today and just talking to you, I, I forgot to put the chat up quick enough, so maybe some of my regulars who are normally in there went away. But we're talking with Ashley Phillips, who is a one of the trained you're, – you're more than a trained leader for SMART, though, too, aren't you? Um, well, I'm actually the coordinator for SMART California, and okay. um, I'm overseeing the development of SMART Arizona. And um, – I am, I guess, what's called a master facilitator because I also help train other facilitators. And that happened because of my experience as a college professor over time and just really um, doing both online facilitation and face-to-face facilitation over a period of years. Great, great. And you're also a recovery coach, and I want to just people, so you can reach you on, I see you on LinkedIn. You want to give people, do you have a phone number or an email if someone wants to reach you about coaching or uh, anything like that? Yeah, you bet. So I'm Ashley E. Phillips. It's www.ashleyephillips. And my phone number, if people would like to call me directly, is 858-314-8741. And, um, Monica, can you say, just one, can you say one more time, Ashley? Just sure. say this one more time. 858-314-8741. Okay. Okay. And actually, I'd love to take a quick opportunity to say that my one of my colleagues um, who's joined my practice, Elizabeth Coker and I, are starting a new coaching group for women. Mm-hmm. And that coaching group is going to be around the issue of moving through shame with mm-hmm. a new sense of resilience. 
Mm. And so we're taking a limited number of people, and um, that will be up on our website this week. I uh, I, There's so many people in the queue. Um, I'd like to talk about, let's see, I'm just writing down some of the numbers and see if people want to take a listen. Uh, Somebody just dropped out. Uh, Let me just, you want to take a call? Let's take a call. Sure. Okay. Hi, caller, you're on the line. Do you have a question or comment, or you want to just listen? Hello? Sounds like they're listening. So that's somebody who's listening. I can't tell. So let's see this one. Uh, Doing it. It's spinning. Hi, caller. Do you want to have a question or comment, or do you want to just listen? (laughs) They just want to listen. (laughs) Let's try one more. Okay, last one. Hi, caller. Do you have a comment or a question, or you just want to listen? Hello. Hi, Hi there. Do you want to make Do you want to make a comment or uh, a question, or would you like to just listen? Um, it, am I on the air right now? Yeah, you are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would. I would love. I would love to um, ask a question. Okay. Go ahead. Can I have your name? Um. Yes, my name is Kate. Kate. Okay. Hey, Kate. Kate. Go ahead. Um, I would want to ask Ashley sort of uh, what her experience is with young people and drinking. Um, I'm in my 20s, and for me, um, drinking is is just part of social situations, and I find that if I'm not drinking in a social situation that it's noticed or commented on. So I'd like to ask her if she sees that, and do you see that with, other people that you talk to and how do you, what's your take on that? Is it a generational thing? Is it a thing of our time? And how do you recommend that people deal with that personally? Well, great question, Kate. Um, I actually am working right now with a couple of clients in their 20s in my coaching practice, but we also have a growing number of young people at Smart Recovery who seem to find the smart perspective a little bit more um, congruent with their lifestyle and their, their life choices. Um, I recommend, much as Ken Anderson does in his harm reduction book, I don't know how many of you have seen that or if you've seen that, Kate, but yeah, Ken, it's called a good How book. to Change mm-hmm. Drinking, mm-hmm. and it's a harm reduction guide to alcohol. And what we recommend at SMART, what he recommends in his book, is that you actually take a look at your social situation and that you figure out you know, how much of your drinking is your idea and how much of it is peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And... You know, what I would a- invite you to do is ask, in what way is my drinking, are my drinking patterns more oriented around the expectations of my peers, and in what way is my drinking oriented around my own expectations of myself? And am I acting integrity in integrity with my own goals and my own values? And we do find both in the in for people in their twenties as well as for a lot of people in their 30s and 40s, and Gabrielle Glazer talks about this in her new book as well, there's incredible social pressure to drink. Um, I think in your 20s that looks a little bit more intense as people are coming out of college uh, and that sort of whole party scene. Um, Mm -hmm. For people in their 30s and 40s, the whole arena of building yourself professionally often now includes uh, drinking or, in some cases, even a drugging component. So it's really important to get clear on what your goals are and how to um, 
how to then live up to them. In terms, what we what we know from talking to people once they actually make a decision to limit or to eliminate their drinking, is that mm-hmm. for the first couple of times that you're in your social group, people really do notice it. But um, in large situations, I think we tend to be more self-conscious about our not drinking than anybody else's. People are more concerned with mm-hmm. themselves. So having a prepared script that you actually practice with yourself in a mirror or by um, by writing out the script and then um, dictating it into your tape recorder or into your phone or actually working with an accountability partner like a recovery coach um, can really help you get ready for those social situations and come up with an excuse, quote-unquote, or an explanation, quote-unquote, that fits for you, that feels comfortable, and that... Um, doesn't share too much information with people who your drinking is none of their business, right? Your drinking are not right. really nobody else's business. And mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting when people when people pressure you to drink or use. It's often way more about them than it is about you. And it may be about their past understandings of who you used to be when you were a younger self, mm-hmm. not who you are now. Is, is that helpful, Kate? That's extremely helpful. Yeah. Can I ask can Thank I ask you, you a question, Kate? Can I ask you one question sure. before you get off the line? Um, have you ever heard of Ham's Harm Reduction for Alcohol or Moderation dot org? Um, no, I haven't. So those are websites that people you could go on and there's a lot of tools for if you wanted mm-hmm. to change what you're doing, there's like all kinds of great tools for changing how you're drinking before you go ahead and label yourself or call yourself anything, you know. I think that it's one of the reasons that I do this show and that I was on Katie Couric and that I want to get the word out is not only are there young people who I don't think anybody should label themselves alcoholic anyway, but I think there's a lot of people who've left AA who were sober a long Mm -hmm. time who are now drinking successfully really moderately uh, because what we were told there wasn't true. And um, but I, I I thank you for calling in and uh, it, I'm going to put you back on to listen because there's a bunch of other people who just look like they're in the queue. Okay, do you mind just repeating the do you mind repeating the site that you said? Yes. One so more time. Get, yeah, it's called Hams H A M S Network. dot mm-hmm. um, okay. And the other one is Moderation. dot org. Great. Thank you so much for taking my call. Oh, you're, oh you're, welcome. So welcome. you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I'm going to put you back on hold. Okay. Okay. Sounds I'm going to good. also recommend William R. Miller's book, uh, Controlling Your Drinking, for mm-hmm. people who are interested in moderation. The interesting thing is, you know, because the 12-step tradition is so uh, prevalent in our society, uh, m- most people know about that option. So I think that mm-hmm. option is out there. It's available. People right. know it's available. They know it's relatively free right. or inexpensive, donation-oriented. But it's really critical that we mentioned that abstinence is not the only option when you've had a, a dependence or a challenge with right. drinking or drugging. Right. Um, it, uh, I, as a coach, I have to be honest, Monica, I usually do recommend a period of abstinence for people to get clear-headed and really re- revisit themselves. You know, they're, yeah. they're non-altered, totally clear, 100% clear-headed selves. Um, but after that, what the person decides to do really is dependent on their circumstance, their situation, their mm-hmm. biopsychological, social, generational um, self, the length of time that they were experiencing the problem, and all kinds of other factors. 
So um, yeah, yeah. knowing that I, smart I, I, is available, women for sobriety is available, life right, ring right. is available. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, these are, you know, moderation management is a possibility for a lot of people. And knowing now that this whole arena of professional recovery coaches, um, these are professionally trained coaches who have gone through graduate-level kind of programs um, who know how to help people move on with their lives. And when you know when you see a recovery yeah. coach, you're not going there to just talk about drugs or alcohol. You're going there to talk about your life, your work, your relationships, your finances, mm-hmm. your hobbies. I mean, you you get to do it all and also manage your challenge with alcohol or drugs. Mm-hmm. So that's again, pre- we're that's talking cool to thing. Ashley. Yes, Ashley Phillips, um, who is a recovery coach, is on the phone here with me today. And this is Safe Recovery. Uh, For Kate, who was listening, if you're still listening, I have done a lot of shows, I think over 100 shows. And, boy, I'm getting close to 100,000 downloads and listens. It's kind of fun that I'm still here after, you know, doing this uh, week after week. It's really great. But I did interview a woman, uh, Donna Cornett, who wrote a book for young people. And let me see uh, if I really could. But Donna Cornett has a really good, thin book. I I bought them both. And I like thin self-help books. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but resources that can help, uh, you know, some books are more workshop and some, not workbooks, you know, I mean, are workbooks. And then, let me hear, oh, The Art of Binge. Oh, here we go. So I want to just do a little promotion. Um, Beat Binge Drinking, uh, Seven Weeks to Safe Social Drinking, How to Effectively Moderate Your Alcohol Intake. And then she wrote a book for young people. Wait, could you say that again? The... It's called Seven Weeks to Safe Social Drinking: How to Effectively Moderate. Oh, it's a great book. It's a real, I, I bought it for somebody. I mean, I, I buy everything because of the stuff I'm doing. As I would interview people if they had a book, you know, I'd buy their book and then I would read it. Some of them I couldn't read all of them because I, it wasn't an issue for me, and I just was trying to get the word out about other stuff. And then she wrote a one for um, she wrote another one for young people called Beat Binge Drinking: A Smart Drinking Guide for Teens college students, and young adults who choose to drink. And one of the things that she said to me that I thought was funny was 20 years ago when she got involved in the field and people would laugh at her, whether it was the courts or whatever, and now 20 years later they're like, oh, you know what, what's that book about? You know, maybe we need to talk to you. Because if you have somebody who's gotten a DUI five times, they, they got a DUI because they don't want to be abstinent. And I'm I'm really shocked that people think that A is the only way. In fact, a lot of people that are under in their 30s, they think that Alcoholics Anonymous is a government agency. It's been so, you know, if you get a ticket uh, from a you know for drunk driving and you go to court and a, and a judge actually says, well, you should go to AA, then you know people actually think it's sanctioned, which it's not. So part of my film is, you know, educating people, and my work is exposed not just exposing, but educating that there's smart, that there's women for sobriety, and there's harm reduction, and there's moderation, and there's the Sinclair method with the use of naltrexone, which I had on Claudia Christian, who is a lovely, famous actress, who really, really, uh, we're talking heavy drinking, like two or three bottles of wine a night, and did not like AA, and didn't want to be abstinent, and is just thriving, and is going to also make a documentary about the Sinclair method. So it's really great to have... Uh, I think the word getting out more, uh, I think that you speak really well, and now that I see all the stuff you've done that you've taught, that I, I do think it's important for people to see all, uh, people from all walks of life, Ashley, 
and that there's a lot of women that are like yourself. Like I saw women come into my old home group that were CPAs or, I mean, there was this group of people that were coming like the last year that I was in AA, and you could see them like look around the room and go, oh, no, this is not for me. Like I remember this one woman saying, you're the only one who seems sane here. Will you be my whatever? What is it called? The spot, you know, can you, can I call you? Be a sponsor? Yeah, but I was on, I mean, I could, in fact, the, the same thing you talked about was with the prayer thing. We had a Jewish woman come when things were starting to get, you know, a shift. You could feel it in the group. And she said, you know, I'm really offended by this um, reading, you know, saying the Lord's Prayer. You know, I'm Jewish. How many other women are here are Jewish? Why can't we just not say the prayer? So we had a group conscience and decided to stop saying the Lord's Prayer, but it was the the, the serenity prayer. And I said exactly what you did, Ashley. I said, you know, if you really wanted to be inclusive, exactly, we, we, we could do a Native Indian prayer. We could do a Muslim prayer. We could do a Hindu prayer. We could do a Buddhist prayer, a Christian. We could, for 12 weeks, we could do something different, and then we could make just some kind of nice affirmation that's not faith-based at all. Right. And, you know, they all kind of went, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. But, you know, but then I was, like, off and running on the make a safer stuff. And well, But if you're, you're so Let me right. give you an example of what I say at the beginning of a SMART meeting. That might be helpful. So at, smart, at a SMART meeting, I tell people that we do not ask people to identify themselves as an alcoholic or addict unless they choose to. And that's because of all of the research on labeling theory. That la- right. labeling yourself yeah. is limited to one particular word often is not helpful and also can right. lead to self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. I also suggest that instead of looking at yourself as powerless over um, a challenge or a problem that you may be having, instead that you that you really embrace the power of making your own healthy choices using right. strategies, right? Not using hope as a method, but rather depending on strategies mm, that you can actually deploy right. and learn. Yeah, um, and that's why it's called smart recovery and smart training, right? It's self-management mm-hmm. and recovery training. We've right. trained ourselves over years to get used to numbing our feelings, or managing our anxiety, or handling mm-hmm. our grief, or our social yeah. anxiety by using alcohol, for example. And mm-hmm. instead, now we can learn how to manage those difficult feelings by using other strategies. But that takes time, just like getting dependent on a substance doesn't happen overnight. In most mm-hmm. cases, it happens over time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I um, say is we do not have a particular spiritual or religious agenda. And what that means is that you're welcome to talk about your religion or spiritual self when that intersects with your recovery journey, right? But if you are... Um, if you are uh, Oh, gosh, I'm totally blocking out the word. If you're blocking, if you are atheist or agnostic, you're welcome here. If you are deeply faith-driven or spiritual, you're welcome here. And if this comment doesn't apply to you, you're welcome here. Mm. So everyone is really welcome here. I like and that. This is I, also I that a means... discussion-oriented <laughs> conversation, right. right? It's not my meeting; it's our meeting. And the kinds of things that people learn from one another. Well, just to use Kate as an example, you know, if you're a, a young twenties person, and then someone else comes in and is able to talk about their similar situations, um, that's really that can really be helpful. You know, how did how did I use a smart tool in the middle of a rave? Although I don't think they do raves anymore, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things that we that that's sort of the difference between a smart meeting and some other meetings. 
Um, and the other neat thing about SMART is that we, I, I routinely, uh, Monica, will tell people to use the resources that they have. So if there are uh, if there are a bevy of AA meetings or other 12-step meetings in their community and there are not a bevy of SMART or Women for Sobriety or Life Ring meetings, you know, and you can and you can take the AA meeting, use that as a resource. There are great people there, right? If it's not a good fit for you, then go to SMART online when there's not a SMART meeting in your community. I mean, just just knowing that you can do things in combination. It's like a Chinese menu, right? You can have one from column A and one well, from column B. Well, I don't agree with that because, and you know that well, I Well, it doesn't I don't, work for everybody. You don't know. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that if you go and listen to the kind of stuff that's read at the beginning of an AA meeting, it's very harmful and very damning and damaging. And the other thing, too, that I think is kind of crazy, because I was someone who went into AA in the 1970s, there was not a meeting available every day of the week, even at night. Um, there wasn't a me- it wasn't 4,700 meetings, or this, what is it? Or it was supposed to be, you know, a couple thousand in LA or 3,000. Uh, and that people didn't that whole 90 and going having to go to a meeting every day and needing that kind of crazy, uh, you know, I have to go is n- no one did that. There were no noon meetings. There were only some, you know, a Monday night and a Thursday night, and people lived their lives. It, it was more balanced even back then. No one said, are you crazy? Like, ask your sponsor. Who? That's, like, that's nuts. People were like, I don't want to get off topic, but about needing some more support, I, I, I understand you are a, a facilitator, but I'm coming from a place where someone that I, I'm hearing this stuff on the blogs where people come and, and, and they are just so damaged by what's said to them in meetings, what's read at the beginning of meetings, that I would never in my life ever suggest ever, unless he's like falling down drunk and, you know, you're Christian, you want to go to AA, fine, go to AA. A young woman, a woman of any kind, someone who's smart, I'd say go to smart. And if you don't want to do abstinence, go to moderation, go online, and go to smart too. You can go and learn their tools. And if you're not interested in abstinence, nobody's going to make you stand up and take a chip there. But, I, you know, I get inundated with horrible, horrible stories. So I can't be so laissez-faire about it. Quite well, honestly. again, I'm um, in a, your your own personal experience obviously informs that, Monica. And I, I just have so much... Um, compassion for that and also for the fact that you are really it's what i'm hearing is that you're inundated with stories from people who have really had a very difficult or more than difficult experience with a 12-step tradition right Um, right. and that's obviously a different conversation than with someone who um, is approaching you know if a 12-step meeting is not for them but they're looking for another resource as yeah. they're approaching therapy, uh, I'm sorry, as they're approaching recovery from a systematic perspective, mm-hmm. um, then those people are are able to use. Well, I'm going to I'm going to share a tool with you if that's okay. So yeah, one of do the it, tools please. that that um, we will will work with people to learn as I do this as a coach and also using different language a little bit in a smart meeting is to notice the difference between your thoughts, your feelings, and your behavior. And to also notice the difference between, you know, yourself and your body, and then you can actually step outside of your body and notice yourself. Mm-hmm. You can actually, you know, like right now I can see myself sitting with you talking on the radio, and I'm sitting here at my desk gesturing as if I'm right. talking with a person, and I can see myself doing that. 
Well, if you are someone who doesn't prefer 12-step perspective, but you appreciate some of the resources or just getting out of your house, right, and being in, in yeah. fellowship with other people, mm-hmm. and, you, and you've got that tool, then you can go in and do your own little meditation for the beginning of a 12-step meeting when you don't prefer what they're saying, or you can make a plan to go 10 minutes late. Right? Mm-hmm. There are many ways that you right, might manage right. your own that's participation right, that's point. so that right, it works for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, so, I know it, SMART is growing. I know it's growing, and I really hope. I mean, we know that 2 million people heard what I said. It's continued online. They have left the part in where I do talk about the other options. Uh, It's growing in San Diego. If somebody in San Diego uh, gets into trouble um, with a DUI um, and they go to court, um, are there lawyers that are already, like, have you done any outreach to the DUI lawyers to say, you know, uh, hey, you know, some people don't like AA. Are you aware of our great program, SMART? Is there any outreach like that done? You know, we're trying. I, I, if I had my druthers, uh, that's one of the things that I would, or uh, that I would be working on, or supervising people to work on, is just mm-hmm. getting the word out. We do in right. California when people are referred after a DUI, for example, to a self-help program, they are given information both about Twelve Step and Smart. And in we, San Diego, you know, I find court cards regularly in San Diego. Oh, good. Yeah, and mm-hmm. pretty much throughout right. California, not okay. in every single jurisdiction, but in many. Um, And when there have been judges who have been hesitant, I've actually taken the extra time to write personal letters for people. And I've written letters to judges and said, I'm willing to take your phone call. Mm, Um, And I'm actually going to be on a panel here in California in the fall for um, attorneys who are learning about, you know, the attorneys have to go through a um, professional education seminar every year or every couple of years on addiction. And um, that's both for their own professional growth as attorneys, you know, because the incidence of um, alcohol and drug use with attorneys as well as with Mm -hmm. doctors and other professionals is pretty high. But -hmm. it's also for them to work better and use better resources with their clients. So I'm going to be part of a panel who's going to now do that education, and I think it may be one of the first times wow. that something other than 12-step is being introduced. Uh, oh, my God, I'm so glad. They should have so a moderation thing on there, too, because a lot of people, I mean, I do think I see that that I love SMART so much, but I do see the problem with many who don't want to stop um, I don't want to talk all about the. I mean, I'm asking these questions, so I realize they're just going all over the place. But I love talking to you. I love listening to you. So, let's say we have a listener that um, is drinking too much, that they are now finding themselves uh, either binge drinking when they go out with their friends, or they're drinking more than a bottle or two of wine. I'm sort of thinking about women now as I'm saying this. Is not necessarily true, but we are two women talking, and we did have a woman call in. And we sure did. So somebody winds up at Smart, but last night she was drinking. She had, you know, two bottles and feels like hell today, and she's at the meeting. What are some tools that you would suggest or does Smart have for when someone first comes in? The, okay, that's a great question, Monica. The very first tool that we would um, introduce that person to, let's say that woman to, is something that as a coach I call a decisional balance sheet, but at Smart we call a cost-benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, Monica, why don't I do this with you? Let's make pretend you're a brand new person. You're coming in, you're, you know, you really you realize you're sort of in trouble, but, you know, you're just thinking, I, you know, I, I can't stop or I don't know how I'm going to stop or how come I can't do this. 
And one of the things we know is that in order for you to do something difficult, like stop a habit that you've really gotten into, is you've got to grab onto your motivation for why you want to stop. Mm-hmm. And you've got to revisit that motivation over time mm-hmm. because when the going gets rough, you're going to have to yeah. make a different decision than you have been recently. So mm-hmm. in the cost-benefit analysis, I would ask you, Monica, what is it that you really have been enjoying about drinking? What's really mm-hmm. working for you? When it's working, how what does that look like? When mm-hmm. are you using it? What are you using it for? How right. is it working? What do you enjoy about it? And people will answer all kinds of things, you know, from I it helps me alleviate my anxiety, it helps me um, perform in social situations. Um, some people say, you know, I sing better at karaoke. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, right. um, you know, mm-hmm. or a really big one is it helps me fill time or it helps me deal with boredom or it helps mm-hmm. me not look at stuff that I really feel like I need to look at, right? I can just sort of stuff those things when I use the alcohol. So we list those in in detail. Then Mm -hmm. I ask them a second question. What is it that you really abhor? What is it that's icky, yucky, and horrid about drinking? What's just, you know, really specifically? And mm-hmm. so we'll lead the person through those kinds. Those kinds of things include, you know, this this feeling of being hungover, maybe gagging, maybe gagging when I'm brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, I ask people to get really specific about their yeah. experience. Maybe it's right. realizing I had I um, had a conversation with someone last night at a meeting or at a bar, and I can't remember it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's waking up and realizing, wait a second, I sent texts to someone. Mm-hmm. What text did I send? What did they right. say? And yeah. was one of them to my boss? Right. <laughs> I mean, the kinds right. of things that people experience is really right. pretty incredible. Or did how did I drive home? One of my clients this week said, "How did I get home when I was down in La Jolla last summer? I don't wow. even remember leaving the hotel, yeah. getting my car, and getting back up to my house." So we list all, the, all those things, and that also can include things like legal expenses, professional. Um, stagnation, right, just feeling stuck, relationship mm-hmm. loss, money. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of kinds of things in there. So we would specify that for the individual person. So that's the first two questions. And the third question is, what do you think you're really going to not like about giving up the drinking? What are you going to not like about embracing abstinence for a little while, right, mm-hmm. getting over it? Just, mm-hmm. just letting that go for a while. What it, that, so that gives you a list of the challenges that you're going to have. And then we can right. make a plan around those challenges, right? Mm-hmm. How am I going to explain to my friends? Um, what am I going to do when I go to this conference and everyone's going out afterwards for, for drinks? Mm-hmm. So we can anticipate situations, and that's really helpful. And the fourth quadrant, which is really helpful in, help in, in identifying motivation, is what do you think your life in recovery, your life without being dependent on a, on a substance, is going to look like? And that one is really powerful because the theme in in that category is often honesty, not keeping the secret, integrity, showing up when I say I'm going to show up, and if Mm -hmm. something comes up and I can't show up, actually letting people know in advance, Mm -hmm. right? I was planning to be there, but I'm in traffic or whatever it is. Um, Healing relationships, achieving different professional and financial goals, I mean, that stuff is pretty profound. Mm -hmm. And then what we do is we take a step back, and I ask the person, so in the category of things that you love about drinking, are those things basically short-term 
or they basically or they longer term. And what typically happens is when people realize, well, you know, I can alleviate my anxiety for five minutes or an hour, but in order to maintain that, then I have to reapply, mm-hmm. right? It does. Right. It's not sustained. So then that's how you get into the dependency. When you look at the costs associated with the drinking or the drugging, those costs are often not only long-term, but they are also very heavily weighted. Mm-hmm. You know, losing things like integrity or trust in your family or with your boss, those are heavy, and they take right. time to to, mm-hmm. re, um, to regain your status. And when you look at the things that you're looking forward to by being clear-headed, by embracing a, a life where you, again, have resumed control over yourself and a substance doesn't have control over you, when you look at that, the kinds of things that people are looking at are long-term, they're heavy, and they're also light you know they're they're joyous. People mm-hmm. feel like their hearts are becoming more full as they're living in greater integrity. Right. And that's just so. Just doing that one thing helps people write down in black and white what do I like about this, and that helps them also not beat themselves up for having done it because they realize, oh wait, that was working, right? That was working. I'm not an idiot. Right. So right. I don't have to call myself all these names. And then when we look at what are you looking forward to when we look at the costs? I mean, one question another smart facilitator taught me to ask was, if this were a used car, how much would you pay for it? Mm-hmm. Right? Would you would you pay for something that has all of those costs with those um, short-term sporadic benefits where you constantly... Oh, I see. Yeah, lot, like thinking of your right? the choices you're making as the used car. Right. Yeah? Is that well? Wow, that's that, a good you know, analogy. So taking it, mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. it out of the realm of the... Um, of recovery and just putting it into, if this were any other decision in your life, what would that look like? Helps mm-hmm. people gain, a, realize they can they can step out of the shame and just think, oh, oh, okay, I'm looking at data here, and the data tells me, you know, it, I should choose this school over that school, right? I'm thinking right. that I, you know, I want to severely limit my drug or alcohol use for this period of time because I need to look at how this has gained control of me when I used to be in control of it. Mm. So that takes it out of that emotional place where you feel labeled and stigmatized and shamed. And, in fact, many people are shaming themselves. Right, so it gets us right. out of that realm and it gets us into empowerment, and then we can talk about um, really making great choices. This past week at a SMART meeting, I used this quote from the from the author Colette. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever – I haven't read any of her stuff for a long time. I used to use it when I was teaching women's sexuality, but she had this great quote, I've lived such a glorious life, I wish I had realized it sooner. (laughs) (laughs) And so I like to talk with my clients, and especially my women clients, about how they can actually discover, build, and enjoy their own glorious life. Mm, mm. So on that note, um, hi there, Powerful, somebody just came into the chat room. Uh, oh, on that note, do you ever get, because this is one of the things that uh, I I sort of have attracted to me as a long-time stepper who left, people that are deprogramming, who have uh, really serious damage done psychologically about uh, the tenants in AA. Are you able to help? You sound like you could help people deprogram um, who, who, who so. have left. Um, I think so. I actually haven't done that as a specific coaching goal, um, but mm-hmm. I will tell you that um, I, you know, I, I have a num- 
uh, I have a whole you know array of clients who come with different kinds of challenges, and I also see clients with who don't have any um, issues with drinking or drugs. But yeah. um, in smart meetings, it's not uncommon to have people find us because they have had a difficult experience with a 12-step tradition. Some people mm-hmm. just find us because they had a, you know, they had some good referrals. They checked out all the options and they they right. chose us because it was a good fit. But other mm-hmm. people really do come with some experience that was negative or hurtful or um not necessarily truly traumatic, but um, yeah. difficult. Right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're looking for a different alternative. But yes, I think that um in smart meetings generally, Monica, we do not encourage people to criticize other programs. Instead, we really ask them to explore ours. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. a coach, that would look a little bit different um, because, you know, You're it's not one-on-one on one with somebody. Right. It's, right. Yeah. And as a coach, the neat thing about coaching is we, I meet and other professional recovery coaches meet the, the client right where they are. So wherever that is, we... we come up right next to them, sit beside them, and we help them develop their own safety net depending on what their goals are for their situation. And if they need to really heal from a traumatic experience, no matter what it is, you know, it could be AA-oriented, it could be trauma from their childhood, um, Mm -hmm. that might be something that we would visit. It might be something we would refer out. It depends. So what kind of price range does a coach, what do the coaches charge for an hour? You know, across the country, it varies from Mm -hmm. about probably $50 an hour to about um, $500 an hour. I charge in the range of about $125 an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, And people generally are asked to sign up for a three-month minimum because that's the minimum amount of time you can tell if the coaching relationship is going to work. And that usually follows a pretty extensive assessment but what I and my colleagues and most coaches do is we offer a compliment a complimentary initial session to see if it's a good fit. And then together you decide with the client, should we go forward? And I, like many other coaches, also um, I see most of my clients for full fare, but um, that also enables me to see 20% of my clients on a sliding fee scale, and I'm really happy to do that. And I built my practice about being able to do that because that's important mm. to me. Yeah, it is. I have a, 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 a chatter, I mean, a blogger in the chat room asking a question. Do many recovery coaches talk about options as opposed to pushing the religion of 12-step? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's interesting. That's a great question because yeah, any professional coach who's worth their, uh, who's worth their hourly rate, um, who's gotten good training, mm-hmm. does, you leave your – your own recovery experience, if you yourself were in recovery, you leave that behind. And what you're trained in is all of the different options. So it's in, having been in a, in a graduate-level coaching program, I can tell you that when, we, when harm reduction was brought up, the people in, our, in my group, anyway, who um, had come out of a 12-step tradition, really were thrown for a loop for a short time. And then they very quickly incorporated that perspective into um, into the way they were able to talk about and articulate the challenges of addiction and recovery. Well, so that, yeah, that people good. are I trained mean, in all of the different um, mm, all of the different yeah, options. I think that um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, but you sound really bright and really. Uh, I, I don't know. I've met people. I found it pretty shocking that you know I spoke to MFCC marriage parent family counselor um a PhD who was my therapist who still is 
And they didn't know about any of this stuff when I started to uh, find out about, you know, I had my older child who was definitely drinking too much, and I had never heard about any of you. And I think really? that's kind of that, I think that's a crime. I, yeah, that's part of my passion, and eventually probably will form a nonprofit. That that's a shame, and that's I think it's criminal. That not criminal. I'm exaggerating now. But that in 2009, I didn't know um, that Smart existed. I think that's when I discovered it. Or I discovered it from the anti-A blogs on Stinking Thinking, and then I picked up the phone and made friends with the bloggers and. Uh, went to a smart meeting just out of interest, you know, curiosity, and, uh-huh. uh, and and loved it. But that, um, you know, the education of like it should be on the banners. It should be on the walls of high schools. You know that it really there's all these other be. choices that, um, that that she also asked though does because you you're I know you're not a PhD, but you said you're so close to it. Does insurance pay for that as it would regular therapy? It, Right. That's one of the things that we at Recovery Coaches International are working on. Um, yeah. Right now, insurance typically doesn't cover it. But I am one of my colleagues, um, Elizabeth Coker, um, who's out of uh, Georgia, she actually went, will work with some of her clients to just pay the copay that they ordinarily would pay for their insurance um, if, she can, if she can swing that. So she'll do a reduction on her hourly rate. But often mm. people will do this as part of their... Um, you know, their medical expense management program. So even yeah. if you can't do it through your insurance, you can deduct it from your taxes by organizing your expenses that way. I but, you know, the other thing, when, ahead, yeah. when you look at money, um, mm-hmm. if you look at peop- how much people are spending drinking, if we just do a spreadsheet, it's amazing how much money people can find in their budget once they actually make one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they realize I'm spending all of this stuff getting myself in trouble. Why don't I invest in myself? Why don't I leverage my own personal um, intellectual and social resources to help myself really make a strong foundation for a fabulous future? Well, I, I think we should talk not just on the radio. We've tried to, I think. You know, that we both got so busy. I know I got really busy. But what I hear with you is that they're, you know, sort of if we come together that there are ways. One of the things that this blogger also just said is that she had to teach her therapist, too, about the other options, which I did also. And I do think that whether it's you know, it's going to be, you know, you are going to be in front of lawyers, there's a group of us that's going to go to Las Vegas where there's a huge trial lawyers convention, and I'm I'm making pamphlets right now that have all the options on the back of it, but it's sort of educating people about their First Amendment rights, and you can't be court-ordered. It's against oh, the First perfect. Amendment right to be court-ordered and that the dangers of 12-step need to be uh, really told to the public. So that I want to go and mix and mingle, whether it's in the casino, in the bar, in the coffee shop, wherever we're all going to go for two days and just talk to these lawyers, because, you know, lawyers, they love to talk. But then we you'll need have to send me. You'll have to send me the conference guide. Maybe I'll join you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I am. I'm going to invite you to come. And I think that so we need to get in front of who? That's lawyers and judges. And it sounds like Doctor. you're going to get in right doctors. Just oh, Monica, one of one of my um, one of my friends and a facilitator in training right now just went to the UCLA, was in the ER, met with the head of neuropsychology or neuropsychiatry up there. He had never heard of Smart in UCLA here. At UCLA, oh, this was, my this God. was in the last this was in the last ninety days. Oh so you know that this is a smart, really you know well connected physician. And the, those are the kinds. We need to reach out really to both the grassroots yeah. and also the leadership yeah, about no, leadership. general options for recovery in yeah. the United States right, and right. internationally. 
Well, I mean, one of the things that you know AA did, and this I was just talking to someone else about this today, that AA did it from the top down. It was not a grassroots movement. They got heavily involved in uh, Rockefeller and Marty Mann knew, you know, the head of Coca-Cola, the head of she knew Henry Ford, all the socialites, all the socialites, the people who had money, and they sent the first 250,000 postcards to doctors because back in the 1930s, the doctor was sitting with his whiskey on the rocks and a cigarette in his hand. And, you know, so they went after doctors, and I, I do have a strategy that this is the same way. So it's in front of therapists, somebody like you, when they have to do their six, you know, whatever, few hours or one class, somebody who's going to become an MFCC, somebody's going to become a, um, a therapist or a counselor, that they need, whether it's Claudia Christian, who wrote a book on the Sinclair Method, or Amy Lee Coy, who's developing her own very inexpensive program on how she recovered with self-recovery of self. It's an amazing program. She's going to launch it soon. Somebody like yourself who's a smart leader, get somebody from moderation to talk, and we get in front of these people who are spreading, who have aren't clueless. I mean, that's horrible to, to tell me that, that my son is going to have a 50% chance of being an alcoholic because I drank as a teenager? Oh, dear. Monica, the one, here's a piece of good news, and I think, you know, I'm really trying to be part of the solution. You're being part of the solution. Um, Gabrielle Glazer with her new book, the, Her Best Kept Secret, which also features your story, is yeah. it's wonderful and speaks especially to a female audience of a certain age. Um, wh- what I have seen recently is that um, we, are gaining, we are gaining more of a yeah. voice. Yeah, and I agree. The, it's it's really important that we continue to create more traction around that. Right. But the right. other thing that's interesting is that it is I have seen alternatives to AA now appearing on professional examinations mm-hmm. like MFCT, like medical school, etc. So oh, really? really that's oh, that's, that's a big change. Good. And the other thing is that this not mentioning alternatives to 12 step is now going to be considered malpractice, I think, across the board what? for psychologists and counselors. Oh, my it's God. Certainly, you know, so that, I mean, it's just no longer... Um, oh, that's no longer so just good. A, wow. It's no longer just something that you might inadvertently leave off, right? It is a bona fide, different perspective, and people mm. need to know that there isn't just one thing on the shelf. There are right. several right, things Right, right, right. Oh, my God, and, this is uh, fantastic. This is really, really important. So, in other words, there's there's quite a bit of um, of motivation as yeah. well as the the risk of some consequences for wow, people to no, really embrace all of these different pathways. Oh my! We, you know that there's no way, better way, Ashley, to end the show. I have a minute and a half left. Let me just introduce who I'm talking to. So we've been talking to Ashley Phillips out of San Diego, California. Ashley has her own coaching business that you can reach her ashley e phillips p-h-i-l-l-i-p-s she's on linkedin you can find her on facebook she is also um the re- uh, 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 what do you call it a facilitator. i'm the president of recovery coaches international right and she is a facilitator for smart and uh i am just so happy to have you on we'll have you on again you can listen to all of my shows for free on itunes download them share them everywhere and Wow, what a great thing that you just shared with us. Thank you so much, Ashley, for being on the show. Yeah, I really look forward to talking to you off the show and 
joining forces and spreading the word of um, smart recovery and the other options that are out there. I really, really appreciate it. I want to thank you so very much for being on the show tonight. Look forward to seeing you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. All right, everybody, so we'll see you next week. This is Monica Richardson for Safe Recovery. Remember, empowered, not powerless. We'll see you all next week. Good night.